0: Let me paint you a picture of the late 1980s, a picture of what it was like to be a child in the 1980s. The best way to think about it is to imagine an egg. The shell of the egg is called the 1970s, with its movies featuring asphalt and grease, and television shows featuring black children wearing long sleeved nylon shirts and corduroy pants as they run around a city in the hot summer sun. It was a time of sweat and thirst and heat. Its favorite colors were brown, gray-orange, bile-yellow, and maroon. People from the 70s were powerful and strong-headed, but the culture held you down. It was a presumptive and judgmental and slightly cruel era. A shell can protect you, but it has to be broken through. The albumen of the egg was called the early 1980s. Big hair, sweaters. A man named Steven Spielberg found a lamp. And the genie it called forth granted him a mighty wish that remade the world in the shape of his heart. Life in the suburbs. Bikes and peanut butter and sandwiches on white bread. And moms coming home late from work and everyone, everyone, impatiently waiting for their call to adventure. And the heat and the grease and the color of the urban canyons were replaced with the calm evenings and lawns and slow-moving headlights drifting past the window. Was this the pause between the intake of breath and the world-shaking shout, or had we given up breathing altogether? The answer came in the sweet later years of that decade. The mighty chick, having outgrown its egg, began pushing through the shell. We had jams! Oh, sweet, fashionable, long shorts, colorful and bright, and what surfers wore! Throw those wretched brown corduroys away, my son. Here are blues and greens and yellows on long, breathable fabric that push past your knees. The cities were finally cool again. Yes, children, the cities are cool again. And all the cool kids are interested in three fantastic things. Video games, neon clothing, and rap music. Oh, yes, they were. For the first time in our horrible children lives, the fashion were not a call or response to some old, dried-out, old culture of oppression and indignity. There were new colors to wear, and new sounds to hear, and new kinds of games to play. The The adults didn't know what to make of it. They couldn't understand those caves of color and darkness called the video game arcades. They couldn't fathom our skateboards. They worried about violence and influence and literacy. But who could deny that feeling? The zeitgeist, the ghost of the era, had a name. And that name was The Future. It wore neon spandex, and it wore its baseball cap backwards, and it rode a skateboard, and it listened to Public Enemy, and it spent every spare quarter playing Arkanoid, and every spare moment hoping to play the Japanese version of Super Mario 3 that its friend's dad brought back from Japan. And so it came to pass that in 1989, our zeitgeist, that magnificent neon Quetzalcoatl who had hatched from the egg of the decade preceding it, did itself lay an egg. A thing incarnating everything we loved and wanted. A future made of plastic and power and electrons and hope. A gauntlet, silver and black, which would let you, your carnal self, enter the world of the video game. Punch a ghost, drive a race car, choke an alien. A distillation of everything we desired. It was a great golden bell whose ringing would herald the end of the world. The ghosts of those million billion humans who had lived and died too early to have touched it were surely dining only on bitterness and regret. But pity them not. In their passing and their graves, they died in their dung-dusty eras so that we could live in this one. Live, not toil or waste away in sweat and blood and tragedy as has every soul since Adam, but live. Truly, truly live. And now, on this episode of the Doom to Fail podcast, we're talking about the Nintendo Power Glove.
1: boy it's the doom to fail podcast my name is tim dobbs and my nose is really stuffy all of a sudden just for the beginning of the show
2: that's kind of weird um i'm Catherine Kogert, and i'm here today with you my friends and tim my co-host on the doom to fail podcast
1: thanks thanks for covering for me there <laughs> <laughs> got real lucky <IT> real fast
2: <laughs> i hope you kept a little bit of dignity
1: eh, you know whatever <laughs>
2: Because you're going to need it.
1: Oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Catherine had secret (laughs) tricks for me in the third act.
2: Dignity challenge. Challenge, challenge, challenge. Uh, I'm
1: going to get reverb (laughs) on this track one day. Don't worry. Uh, This is the Doom to Fail podcast, and uh, you've already met us. Uh, It's nice to meet you as well. (laughs) Um, Anyway, uh, how about this weather? So... (laughs) (laughs) Unlike normal conversations you have to have with strangers, our conversations with strangers involve topics. And the topic this week is the Power Glove. Perhaps you noticed. Thank you. Perhaps you've noticed uh, from the awesome intro that uh, Mr. Ben Tippett wrote for us and performed for us and produced for us. I'm putting a lot on him (laughs) here. But uh, at the very beginning, uh, if you don't know Ben Tippett, uh, you should. He's great, he hosts the. Uh, titanium physicist podcast where they explain really cool physics stuff to uh uh really cool fun people mostly like entertainers and stuff um and uh also he's just a rad guy so uh go meet ben somewhere and say thank you for the great intro which is what i'll be doing later
2: It's a great if you are like me and prefer to learn about physics or just anything audibly rather than reading a Wikipedia page about it. And especially for physics topics, because I can get kind of hairy. Mm-hmm. Um, I really recommend to Titanium Physicists.
1: <laughs> the hardest to say since sound title. <laughs> uh, let's give up. Let's...
2: Nah, soft consonants. Uh,
1: can't do it. It's the sibilance. That's what's getting us
2: titanium Uh, physicist Physicist. check it out if you like to learn things through your ears not through your eyeballs
1: there you go that's actually that's a great podcast uh the power glove um is a alternate controller brought to us around 1990 i think um uh not by nintendo but for nintendo uh officially licensed by nintendo and uh i mean it was uh sort of a controller replacement but could be so much more like a gardening glove that you could break or um i don't know a weird <laughs> Halloween costume
2: <laughs> oh my gosh do you want to get into my my fun my fun halloween related uh, uh power glove information
1: uh yeah, with an intro like that, wanna, how could I not? Do you want to
2: cut right to the chase let's, let's, <laughs> with this powered one?
1: Let's uh, let's skip cutting to the. I don't know what else comes from Chase the the river and um, the I don't know. Um,
2: cut to the bank.
1: Let's cut to the let's cut to the Catherine here with the story about Halloween. Take it away, Catherine.
2: It's not a story about Halloween. That was a terrible power glove. Okay. So very recently, there is this new independent film released called Buzzard, which is about kind of, you know, like an office space underachiever type of thing. Um, But he, one of the things, the gags in the film is that he has retrofitted his power glove with Freddy Cougar knives. Pretty (laughs) cool. (laughs) Pretty cool. Uh, um, And... Um, he also has like this, he wears a lot of Halloween masks. Anyway, it looks like a really good film and I intended to check it out before we were going to record this episode, but it, you know, life happens.
1: That's the entire story.
2: (laughs) I didn't say it was a story. Did I say it was a story?
1: I don't know what you said it was, but I'm, I still feel somehow shortchanged.
2: If I said it was a story, I lied.
1: Oh,
2: okay. But I thought it was really interesting that like this was released, you know, like this month buzzard so it was weird that the power glove is still around and kicking <laughs>
1: uh yeah no i mean the power glove has never left our collective imaginations uh because it seemed like a really cool thing uh when we were kids i guess people uh approximately our age i mean uh i think you and i were perhaps just a tad too young um to really get the full cool for me for me it existed yeah. in this sort of like um it was just in the back of my mind. Like it was, it just kind of seemed like a cool thing I was supposed to have, but like mm. never insisted on itself, you know? Cause I didn't see the wizard, the, uh, f- feature length commercial for Nintendo games, um, until boo. I don't know. I mean, I, it was much later. The power glove was not readily available at that time. And so yeah, uh, maybe
2: when you were like eight and like what, like 96,
1: uh, yeah, something like that. Good math. Good math, Catherine.
2: You're welcome. Um, <laughs> so, so. Uh, so, for me, the power glove uh, came into existence in my life when you said, "Oh, we should do an episode about the power glove." Really? Yeah,
1: it's so cool. <laughs> I was so like, I wonder moves. that sounds
2: like a thing. I'll worry about it later. was <laughs> about
1: the virtual boy? Was that like? Was that in your consciousness?
2: That was in my consciousness but not until i started really watching a lot of g4 when g4 was g4 about like computer games because they made a lot of jokes about the virtual boy
1: right i see so it's like the way that i knew a lot of like i don't know things about frank sinatra because i watched the simpsons or something
2: yeah exactly yeah Yeah. or knowing a lot of things about the simpsons because you listen to like how stuff works
1: (laughs) or uh knowing an awful lot about how stuff works because you talk to Catherine. Oh, Josh and Chuck.
2: Oh, they're great. They're 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 great. great. They
1: seem like great, great guys. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, no, it's amazing how quickly these things fade from our collective memories. Um, I guess that's just Mm -hmm. the the cycle of marketing to children is that children don't stay children for that long. And so while they may have been obsessed at some point, they quickly decide it's unimportant as they get older.
2: Yeah. Um, Yeah. I think important... Like to defend me not knowing anything about the Power Glove for those who are upset about me not knowing defense. anything Go about on. the Power Glove. Uh, I was not allowed to have a compute, like a, a, a video game system, growing up, and also like I was born in 1990 when it came out.
1: I really would have been specifically banned from having a power glove. This is not a power glove household. We have Sega Game Gear only.
2: I obviously would have too because I really would have enjoyed playing Zelda Ocarina of Time. But hey, life's not perfect. (laughs) (laughs) Uh... What if all they should have had the power glove for the 64 and then you could have gone fishing with the power glove anyway?
1: (laughs) First off, it's a right-handed glove, right? I mean, you can't wear two of them, right? Because there's no way to—it's it, not inversible. Um,
2: no, but yeah. I mean, they have the like the wands. Like the PlayStation Four has the little wands where it tracks the where the wand is. Right, right. Um, well, and so, that's just one hand.
1: I mean, so maybe we should uh, we should do a, a quick rundown uh, for those not currently looking at a picture of a power glove. Consider it. Consider looking at a picture of a power glove a lot. It'll make you think. Um, it's made me think. Uh like what is this thing it's like a gray glove like remember how computers were always like gray or beige because that's what computers were colored for some reason until like the iMac remember how the iMac was a big deal because it wasn't gray or beige i think that's why people (laughs) were excited
2: it was like bubblegum colored exactly what computers
1: can't do that it's amazing (laughs) how far we've come since like that was
2: like late 90s Man, you know what we how far we've come? We've gone from like, wow, colors are are colored to like, wow, there's this there's this iPod that can carry all my music to like, wow, it can be colored to be like, ah, oh, it's kind of passé for that to be colored to like, wow, it can be color, but that's the the less expensive model.
1: <laughs> <laughs> it's true. The gold that's, one is the good one. That's
2: how many cycles of like colored electronics we've been through. <laughs>
1: Well, I mean, I guess that's we're back too. That's what the problem with elect uh, marketing of electronics is—they have a very short life, and so we yeah, so quickly yeah. forget. I don't know. I don't know how we're we're so uh, so. D- I guess we're just easily manipulated in all things. It's just that the marketing strategies change more quickly in electronics we than they do for like last, broccoli. Yeah,
2: we were just talking last week about how there's really two methods per gender to market.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yep.
2: <laughs> what was there's, it? was uh, For gentlemen, there's that, don't you want to have sex with this? Yep. Or, hey, something you finally don't have to have sex with. (laughs) Thank God. (laughs) And for women, it's like, hey, you can eat this. Or, hey, you'll be prettier if you do this.
1: (laughs) You'll make those guys who want to have sex with you happy. Hmm. (laughs) Uh,
2: oh, indulge. Food.
1: I think is the shorthand that we use for all women's advertising. Indulge.
2: No, not all. A lot of it is like, hey, if you stopped indulging with this device, <laughs> you or this device can help you stop indulging.
1: Fair enough. All right. So we're just looking at it from a different uh in in different dimensions. We can see that you know if you rotate the advertisement cube, then some things start to line up and other things separate. Um, yeah.
2: For for gentlemen, it's sex, and for for women, it's indulging. <laughs>
1: Uh, check out the Doom to Fail uh, podcast store for the advertisement cube. Uh, available soon. Um, <laughs> so the, but don't
2: the, lie to people about that. That's mean. Maybe we'll get emails I really want to buy that.
1: I just want an email. Doomtofailpodcast.gmail.com we never,
2: we never give out our email. And I just talked over our email so they don't know what it is. They'll
1: never figure it out. <laughs> Only for the diehards. So the power glove is basically like, picture this gross gray robot hand um, that's like a RoboCop kind of hand. And uh, it's got like a Nintendo controller mounted on the wrist part
2: yeah such so that uh where your watch move move move
1: would normally go it just has a ton of buttons yeah it's
2: kind of like a dick tracy thing
1: yes it's a lot like a dick tracy thing uh and talk <laughs> about circling back hello apple watch um, hello
2: apple watch useless device i kind of still feel that way about the ipad though like i know like everybody was like oh ipads are stupid and then they came out and they're like oh they're actually not stupid i'm still kind of in like oh that's still kind of stupid camp well, is that yeah, okay to admit yeah
1: no i think that's fine um no, okay. so, so here's the thing. I think about, uh, certain types of people, um, who are hard to market to, uh, but I don't know. XKCD had a thing about this recently. It's about like the way, if you watch how engineers react to new products, you can gauge how successful the product will be. And typically it's like when someone goes, that's useless, it tends to be, do pretty well. And I think we've, mm. we've had this experience with the iPad, with, you know, the Apple Watch, etc. Um, and, but something like the Power Glove, uh, it's sort of the opposite of that, right? So total failure. It did not last. But if you look at the various technologies that were actually implemented in this thing in 1990, uh, ooh, pretty cool. Um, and uh, I think maybe we should talk about some of those technologies when we come back in a moment on the Dip Fail podcast.
2: The power glove for your NES. Now you... And Love. Everything else is child's
1: play. And we're back on the Doom to Fail podcast talking about the Power Glove. This thing that basically looks like garbage. Just total freaking garbage. Before the age of industrial design. And yet, uh... Take you back to the past. Yep. This is the problem with streaming from YouTube. <laughs> Sorry, Tim. YouTube is another thing that, uh... <laughs> I still, still to this day, feel like that doesn't seem that useful.
2: But people love YouTube so much. And I, think, I find YouTube extremely useful, though. I, I, but, but like not
1: I, YouTube is obviously great because without YouTube, we didn't before YouTube. We didn't have a, like a really easily accessible um, way to share videos. Right. So like little short clips or whatever. Great. Mm-hmm. And also like as far as media distribution. Oh yeah, okay, I can see that. But like this thing where people will listen to music on YouTube or mm-hmm. um you know, podcasts get more hits when they're on YouTube and posted as audio yeah. files or like
2: I find that offensive personally.
1: Like my my little brother who's like 10 years younger and he just like wants to I don't know, I mean he used to. Uh I haven't talked to him in years. <laughs> um, but <laughs> No, it's, it's a joke. It's fine. Um, uh, he used to, yeah, I mean, like, you know, kids today, they just like watching a bunch of YouTube clips, right? I don't get it. I don't like doing that. I don't know. I'm a dinosaur. Uh, you
2: don't really like watching a ton of TV. Like, you don't like watch, you don't binge on, you're very anti-binging. Like, that's not how you choose to consume media.
1: That's true, but I also... And that's fine. Thank you for your acceptance. Um <laughs> But I I guess I also uh uh also something. Um I, I think it's worse with YouTube, like, right? So I enjoy sitting down for half an hour of, you know, uh Seinfeld or something.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh than, more than I like watching a supercut of various Seinfeld uh times that Kramer walked in the door.
2: But there is without YouTube, to- you without YouTube, we I'm may sorry, not have the supercut. And I think that that, that, like, conclusions can be drawn from the supercut. Like, we can gain insights into Seinfeld that we otherwise would have never had.
1: It's a fine data analysis tool. No one is questioning YouTube as a data analysis tool.
2: <laughs> is the supercut as the data analysis tool? Yeah. Okay. They're just the... Thank God. Right. I was worried for a second.
1: You pitch me YouTube as a series of uh, time-dependent graphs, and I'm all in. I'm like, oh, cool. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Look at the way
1: the lines move over time. We can really infer a lot from this.
2: See, you're just a different type of person, Tim, so. and I'm really glad for that.
1: But the kind of person I am is the person who, when I read the list of technologies included in the Power Glove, I was like, "Wow, that was that was way ahead of the game." Let I me. Mean, okay, so do you, do you want to go over these? Do you have um? Like do you have in your head? vision. Yeah, it's got smell vision. It's got uh, <laughs> It's got holographics uh, okay. that become solid.
2: So it has a wireless because it is. There's nothing connecting it to the NES. It has a wireless controller.
1: Mhm. Already way ahead of the game. The WaveBird was the next one, I think, for the
2: GameCube. Um, yes. Although the Atari think... did
1: have a wireless controller, just it was, you know, had a big antenna on it and I don't know. Maybe it just killed batteries. It's I don't know why sexy. they didn't continue that. Yeah. Uh,
2: I'm not sure the Power Glove is sexy either. <laughs> it had um it's it could opposite. sense where your hand was moving with respect to the screen.
1: Right. And did you see how they did that?
2: I did not see how they did that. Okay,
1: so there's uh, two ultrasonic speakers in the glove. So they're ultrasonic, so you don't hear it, but it's sending out Mm. a really high-pitched noise. And then there's three Mm. ultrasonic microphones around the TV monitor.
2: And so it triangulates
1: the location and the tilt of the glove because as the as you rotate the glove various directions, uh, the sound will come in different patterns, and so it can figure out where you are. The that's only thing it can't clever. figure out is uh, pitch. I think it said it can get yaw and roll of the hand, but not pitch because I think if you were to like okay. face your palm forward or backwards, okay. it, it can't do that. I think that's what pitch is.
2: Gotcha. Yeah. It's like are you are you are you leading in for for a. a dr- for like a kamikaze dive or are you ascending into the clouds? That's pitch.
1: (laughs) That's probably how they teach it. They probably like to remind uh, fighter pilots that, you know, hey, we could ask you to kill yourself at any moment.
2: (laughs) I don't think that's the thing anymore. It seems like a waste of money and people.
1: Mm. (laughs) But money first. (laughs) (laughs)
2: that's <laughs> oh. the military
1: <laughs> uh well let's not get into um, that one um
2: okay that's fine no so but, so, but, but okay. all these technologies that's a really Go ahead. way to do it but the other thing that it can sense which i thought was really cool is it can sense if you've bent, if you're bending your fingers or not yeah um and the way it does that is it has etched fiber optic cables in the glove that can sense when they're being the cable is being, like it re- changes the way that light moves through the fiber optic when you bend your finger.
1: Yeah. So my understanding was that there's a fiber optic light source at the tip of the finger, um, presumably mm-hmm. powered by wires going around the finger in this giant freaking bulky glove. Um, and uh, then it transmits light back to, um, actually, you know, a better way to do it would probably be transmit light from some battery pack somewhere hidden in the giant bulky glove and then uh, it goes through a fiber optic in your finger line uh and then reflects on a mirror or something i don't know either way the point is uh if full light is received back at the uh base of the glove then it's like not bent and then as you bend uh you because the fiber optic is, is damaged it uh gives you less and less light yeah which is so cool it's mega cool and it was on uh i think four fingers so they, they didn't do the pinky because they were like, eh, most people's pinkies move with their ring finger and we don't really have the space yeah. for it anyway.
2: Which, oh, that's clever.
1: Yeah, I guess it's fair. I mean, it's an engineering trade off, right? But yeah, I still yeah. feel like, well, oh, uh, I don't know. First thing I did was try to move my pinky freely and I can do it. Because I play guitar, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs>
2: um, okay. You could play Guitar have... Hero
1: on this thing. Now that I think about it, right? Oh,
2: you could. Yeah, yeah you totally could except you could probably like actually play guitar rather than just flip a thingy back and forth and press buttons. Right. Yeah, and... I'm really frustrated with Guitar Hero. As a concept, like it's definitely in it's in the iPad camp with me of like mm-hmm. I don't really think that's that cool. I'm sorry. Well, we can
1: put it on the list. Here, I'll put it on the list right now. Um
2: Put it in the tome.
1: <laughs> you say the thing that you were saying. I'm going to get the tome out.
2: <laughs> um because I honestly, I kind of feel like maybe I've said this on the podcast before, but I feel like I've played better f- flash games than Guitar Hero, and that's like sixty dollars.
1: okay, the tome's back. um yeah, no, I, I think you have said that actually um and and I don't know, you're not wrong, uh but I think this this really picks out for us I think a lot of what's going on with the the power glove, right? so like the technology. I think we've both agreed, is pretty impressive. Any one of those little thingies it does is pretty cool, actually. Um, The finger bending and then the, like, location of your hand. Like, those are good technologies. I mean, that's the exact same uh, triangulation method is used uh, both for the Wii. When the Wii came out, you know, it's slightly different. They have two infrared um, receivers. No, two infrared... Uh, lights essentially that's what that little bar is and then your Wiimote actually is a receiver and so using those two it figures out where it is um
2: oh that's cool
1: and uh you know so so it's just infrared light instead of ultrasonic sound but whatever yeah that's that's the same reason also that your Wiimote will get really confused by Christmas lights is because they have a notable infrared uh spectrum
2: oh interesting yeah
1: and so like it would have no idea what was going on and if it's you pointed not like it you Christmas.
2: can use ultraviolet because then it would get confused by sunlight
1: and also uh i don't know if you'd necessarily want to be standing in front of a tv that's shooting ultraviolet light at you i think infrared's generally oh, considered point. safer
2: <laughs> good point I
1: mean, I, you know it would probably be fine if it was just barely ultraviolet and fairly low energy like you know low intensity light
2: <laughs> yeah there's there's fairly harmless ultraviolets but there's no need to, Let's to raise it. the mom alarm yeah exactly
1: right? uh probably came up in some meetings uh yeah. and, and also i mean the same technology again or the same basis of technology again is used in like the connect uh, that's an xbox thing right or um i think playstation has also something you know like basically this body motion thing is it's pretty similar it's just that they figured out how to use lasers to create 3D pictures, you know, the same way they are. your eyes, um, because they're mm-hmm. separated, can do stereoscopic vision. Uh, lasers can mm-hmm. do the same thing. So, I mean, it's, it's not like it's the same technology and they're just stealing from the power glove. Although, if I were these power glove guys, I might take some, uh, get some scratch out of it see if you can. Um, but, uh, but the point is, I mean, it's way ahead of our time because it's 20 years beforehand they were using, I mean, essentially the same functionality. I'm sure there was lots and lots of reasons it didn't work great, um, but to do those things and and yet uh none of this worked and i don't know everybody loves their connect i guess do people the Wii was really popular i can tell you that
2: hmm. so I, yeah, yeah yeah so i have no never mind that's cool
1: it's not like <laughs> we're on a podcast <laughs>
2: <laughs> i'm sorry oh it's okay. boy Let's I need a break, Tim. Give me a break.
1: That sounds good. Let's uh, let's break you off a piece of this uh, coming thing. Does that work? Does that work for you?
2: Yeah, no, that works. No, I appreciate
1: it. Great. on the doom to fail podcast talking about the power glove, glove 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 i wasn't sure you were gonna do the reverb this time so i did it but thank I,
2: you this is the way we
1: have each other's backs as a team
2: yes in this way <laughs> no other ways
1: yeah that's yeah that's about it actually the rest of it, it's just like needless sniping really and yeah, hurting each other's realistic. feelings
2: yeah, yeah yeah um great show we do a great show <laughs> we oh it's awful it's all right yeah all right. let's not so <laughs> Pride comes before a fall, Tim.
1: Um, All right, I just got to figure out how to fall, and then finally I can get some pride. Um, It's correlative, right? Or or causation. This has been the
2: Dignity Challenge. 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 And
1: I failed it. I think I failed it. (laughs) So, uh, but, uh,. So why isn't this thing so popular? Obviously, it had great technology. The fiber optic bendy thing was cool, and then the, the speakers were cool, and it has a shitload yeah. of buttons, and I love buttons. as, as a, am a real button person, I really feel like. like This has buttons one through nine, an A, a B, a start, a select, uh, yeah, a D-pad, yeah. a center button. Can I button? ask you something? Hang on. There's a Are pr-
2: you disappointed with touchscreen with with the prominence of touchscreen technology over buttons
1: so they all have alt functions too i just wanted to get that out every button on here can also you can press shift and then uh the buttons have alternate uses a lot of buttons Mm -hmm. and yes very much so um i think i mean obviously touchscreens are useful because a button doesn't have to be hard-coded into a specific shape or a specific you know whatever uh yeah but like man touchscreens suck And I don't know who like everyone agrees with that at least a little, right? Like how much other than how much I really like uh, flipping through damn you autocorrect because typos are the thing that get deep into my lizard brain and make me laugh and laugh and laugh. um, (laughs) I don't see any good. I I just feel like keyboards are obviously not designed for touchscreens um, as well as just like, I don't know, anything where you have to click fast or precise or, Mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. the, the only thing they're really good for is like gestures, I guess. And the power glove had gestures years ago.
2: <laughs> what do you so think? So you want to go back to the 90s is what you want to say. What you I'm want to go saying, back to 1990 before the wall fell?
1: What I'm saying is the wearables revolution will result in me wearing a power glove in one hand and look, holding my phone in the other. Actually, I don't know the how I'll do that. The wall
2: fell after it had fallen by 1990. I just remembered that. Okay.
1: Thanks for my catching bad.
2: that. That's cool. <laughs> All right. Hey, I have something to share with you.
1: Okay. Uh did I I wanted to hear your comment on uh, uh do you feel similarly about the buttons thing or are you a touch
2: screen person? Um I really think touch screens are cool.
1: Mm-hmm. They're
2: cool. But I think part of it is like I I really just want to like I think touch screens are going to end up being very of their time.
1: Mm. So where like, do you think I'm we're sure going? the
2: next thing is coming, right?
1: <laughs> you're doing you're a great futurist you're like probably something don't you guys think something
2: something else will coming i never committed to being a futurist okay so i don't accept your criticism you stepped
1: directly into this role as soon as you started asking about uh skeuomorphic button designs
2: <laughs> so i mean eventually i think that i think the touch screens are going to end up being very of their time like giant cell phones mm. or um like slide rules or- Or like typewriters, like they're going to be like, oh, yeah, you see like a typewriter or if you see a touch screen in a movie like 50 years from now, you're going to know exactly when that movie is taking place.
1: That's true. Um, Hey, uh, just as a side on typewriters. It's nice to have these little markers of, you know, our history uh, spread throughout our media. And I don't know, just I don't know, little things to hang on to, I suppose. Um, but so I was listening to, uh, 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 radio legend Studs Terkel, um, has conducted an amazing number of interviews. Um, and, and, oh, he's just amazing. Uh, listen to anything Studs Terkel has written or done uh, or recorded or whatever. It's all great. But so I was listening to him. Uh, they have, he has a whole radio archive. Um, and I was listening to him discuss, uh, the future of urban design with this Greek urban designer who I guess was like really at the forefront of stuff in the seventies. And what
2: I just heard is, Tim stuff, Tim stuff, Tim stuff. <laughs> I mean, it was, but go on. No,
1: I mean, it was interesting because it was not like... I, 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 we don't need to get into my opinions on urban design. Um,
2: <laughs> no, we don't. But uh, We can someday.
1: Well, so the thing was that he... I guess he had a very Jetsony vision of the future, which I thought was funny. Because, like, this guy was extremely well-respected. But, like, boy, can you go wrong uh, trying to predict the future because it's hard. But the other yeah. thing that really stood out to me about the interview, also, he was so certain. He was so certain about himself and all his, like, ideas mm-hmm. that will be in pods and stuff. And I was like, yeah, maybe. Um, but uh, it was like he was, like, what, by the end of the what century. What about
2: claustrophobic we're... people? Yeah, no.
1: Exactly. And he was like, there'll be three levels of underground transportation. The bottom level will be uh, fast-moving cars and then there'll be slow-moving cars just in the basement one level and then we'll, we'll walk Why everywhere it... on the surface.
2: Why do you need fast and slow-moving cars? <laughs> well, for
1: local and express. That's, you know, come oh. on. Um, but, but so the other th- the thing, the reason I brought it up was because in this interview, it's just some place, you know, like, I don't know where he was interviewing him, but you hear, hear in the background through a lot of it the clacking of typewriters. And it occurred to me but did we used to live in a noisier world where the clacking of typewriters was a normal thing you could just expect to be in the ambient sound? Like back in the 70s before, you know, <laughs> word processing?
2: I I think yes. However, I disagree and take issue with the statement that we used to live in a noisier world. I think the world is much noisier now.
1: Well, actually, uh, gosh, I forget who was talking about this. Um, I think we've replaced uh, staccato noise with drones, though, right? There's a lot more humming. Um, as we as we put electric motors and things, and
2: I think pitches, pitches, like high pitched things, even mm-hmm, there's mm-hmm. a lot more of those. Um, and, and yeah, I think maybe continuous. There's a really fascinating documentary that's coming out about. Um, oh, I think it's called Sonic Seas or something. Okay, um,
0: cool.
2: <laughs> what do you like? It's about. How noisy it is in the ocean and how it's affecting marine life and especially whales. Yeah, 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 and uh, not not great. It's not great out there. Bad for
1: whales. (laughs) Disrupts sonar.
2: But yeah, and I mean, this is like since the '50s, Mm -hmm. that to now, there's so much more noise in the sea, and it's not just like naval sonar sonar missions. It's also um, seismic. Um, Right. Seismic testing graphing or whatever not yeah. not testing but like graphing the bottom of the ocean and looking oh, for sure. petroleum reserves those boats in, that in go around ocean?
1: and send signals down yeah blast sound down. yeah yeah but no they it's Geology. not a signal
2: they're sending out they're basically setting off like a bomb oh you're right
1: those things yeah <laughs> yeah. yeah. i know how they do those yeah. and then they have a truck that um well okay on land it would be a truck <laughs> i guess on ocean it would be a boat um and that like catches the reverberations and figures out again it's triangulation it's power glove all the way
2: but it's really shitty for whales. Well, sure. And so is the power <laughs>
1: glove. It wouldn't fit. But
2: um, And then the other thing is like freighting. Like freighting has gone up a ton since mm-hmm. globalization has increased. And since it's gotten cheaper to produce things in like developing countries like China and India. Um, and that increases the amount of freights. And like freight engines are really, really noisy.
1: Yeah, no joke.
2: Anyway, it's a fantastic documentary and I'll find the link for it. Okay, yeah, if we'll have that in the show notes. now. It may not be out quite yet, but it's almost out.
1: Okay. And there's actually you know, now that I think of it there there was a a audio documentary, a radio documentary about um what sound must have been like, you know, in the Middle Ages. Uh and it, it was done mm-hmm. really well. They sort of tried to recreate, you know, like and it's hard to understand like, you know, like the um the sound of bell towers would have progressed a lot farther and it really would have stood out because oh. there's just like, you know, the other stuff going on would have been like the clomping of hooves. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, really? what else? Um, yeah. Yeah. So I'll, I'll try to find a link for that as well. Uh, yeah. I guess I just meant that uh, perhaps offices used to be louder.
2: I think that's what you meant. <laughs> our, oh, that's our, okay. Our controlled spaces, our funny.
1: spaces we considered controlled, uh, were allowed to have a lot more uh, clomping.
2: Yeah. And I think you had a lot of like, at least this is totally my, just my perception from movies is that like everybody who had a typewriter kind of lived in one room together.
1: The steno pool. So that's what you're kinda, talking about.
2: Yeah. They were kind of quarantined off together. So they weren't interrupting the men doing their work. <laughs> let's be real here for a second.
1: Uh, yeah. Well, I, the bullpen, uh, we can talk about, it. Let, let, let's save this all for our eventual discussion of cubicles. Um, <laughs> which will be coming someday. Great. Um, I'm excited. about Okay. That. Uh, hey, okay. Glove. Um,
2: Oh yeah. How are There's we doing one more there? application I wanted to talk about. <laughs> yeah. Do we have time? Oh, we have we plenty of time. For
1: for, no, okay. F- for you, for you, we have all the time in the world.
2: Great. Yeah. So there is currently a power glove in use. Just the one for realsies. I'm pretty sure it's just one. It's a repurposed power glove. Um, there's a guy who does photography for a show called Robot Chicken, which is a stop-motion mm-hmm. animation show. Right. And he has taken out the the circuit glo- a circuit board that the power glove came with, mm-hmm. and put in a new circuit board so that he can take remote pictures with his camera while he's manipulating. And he has like on the side, he's pinned like this little retractable tweezer, like there's like a a retractable cord like you might have on your keys. Uh, with tweezers at the end so he can like grab it really quick and like do things <laughs> huh. with with his puppets um, and then he lets go and it just snaps back to the side <laughs> of his power glove and then like he'll press the A button and that'll take one shot uh, one frame or the B takes two frames and he can scroll through his frames with the arrow buttons um, so wait wait is Robot uh, Chicken
1: entirely made uh, with this or is this just one of the guys who sometimes makes things uses it
2: I, just because of the quantity and like the amount of stuff that Robot Chicken produces, this has to be just like one guy, right? Because I can't imagine they have one guy doing all of their stop stop motion animation. Seems but unlikely. I, I am not equipped to answer that question. Yeah, I don't know either. Um, but I thought it was really interesting that he had done all this work to utilize this power glove, and I was thinking, I hate to say this but it didn't need to be a power glove. <laughs> he could just have like a wristband <laughs> because he's not using any of the fiber optics or the the speaker or the um, ultrasonic speakers or anything or any of that really cool stuff that you and I just got really excited
1: about. Right, right. The bending doesn't do anything. That's too bad. The bending I think yeah. could be useful for something like that.
2: Yeah. He did put in one more feature, which I think is worth mentioning. Go ahead. Um, When you fist bump the power glove, like, Somebody sees the shots that he did, and they're like, "Oh, these are awesome! Thank you!" Fist bump, and he goes to fist bump. It says "F" and "awesome," but obviously, it doesn't say "F," and this is just a family show. <laughs>
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, good work. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, wow. Okay. So I, I don't know. So where does that sit on the the like hipster to practical spectrum? Like, how much is it just nostalgia, and how much of it is like, "Oh, this was this oh, was a good was- use of this technology."
2: From like him explaining the power glove, it was very clearly like nostalgia. Mm-hmm. But he was very serious about the nostalgia. Like he's just a really intense dude.
1: Right. Well <laughs> You know what good. I mean?
2: Yeah. I think it's it's worth yeah, I wanna put that up with the episode too. Okay. <laughs> I'll make sure that gets up there. Copious
1: links, copious links on this episode of the Doom to Fail Podcast.
2: <laughs> All two of them.
1: Yeah. Uh no, there were three. I had a, I had something to add.
2: Oh listen yeah, to me, Captain. <laughs>
1: nah. All right. Um so, yeah, well, okay, so why are we so nostalgic for it? Uh, perhaps not you or I. Like I say, I, I, I learned about it in depth, you know, pretty recently, and it was always mm-hmm. just kind of around. But, like, I think there is a strong, uh, you know, in the uh, 30s-ish contingent, you know, the people who were uh, maybe in their late single digits uh, when the Power Glove came out. Um, is it just because it didn't last very long? Is it just because it was in a movie? I mean. Uh, you know it's cool, but kids—you know—the technology is cool, but kids don't care about that. Yeah. Does it just have uh, a lot of promise? Does it look like a RoboCop hand?
2: It feels like the future.
1: It feels like the future, especially as viewed through 1990.
2: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um. So I guess,
1: uh, what do you what do you think about this theory, though? So basically, it failed because it didn't appear to have any uh support. Uh, you know, this was a licensed peripheral, um, that had, uh, let's see, two games released for specific use, Super Glove Ball, Bad Name, and Bad Street Brawler, which was okay, I guess, for the standards at the time, uh, as far as names go. And, um, that was kind of it, um, and then there were two more (laughs) announced, one called Glove Pilot and my favorite, Manipulator Glove Adventure, uh, which is probably rated adults only, um, Like that's kind of it, right? And then, so without any specific support for the inputs, it just became uh, a controller that was really hard to use because
2: it had a D-pad, which
1: still doesn't make any sense to me. Like you're wearing the glove, so you only have one finger to access or one hand to access the other part of the controller. Like you just can't get to all the buttons very quickly.
2: But yeah, that's true. Unless you're kind of like you just have your, let's say it's on your right hand, is it? Yeah. Or is it on your left? It's you know, on your left it has hand, to be on right? your right hand. Okay, it's on your right hand. So let's say you, like, constantly have your left hand poised over mm-hmm. your right hand. But, like...
1: Right, but then, you know, if you're supposed to be moving the glove as well, like, you're, you're moving the entire apparatus of your left and right hands constantly. It's like some kind of crazy Zumba. Um,
2: not terribly. Yeah, and not even the fun type of Zumba where you have Pitbull yelling, "Daddy" yeah, At you.
1: The bad bad Zumba.
2: I mean, Power Glove Zumba, yeah. No, maybe I would check that out. But, like, otherwise...
1: <laughs> the ultimate in nostalgia. <laughs> Perhaps practical? I don't know. Maybe it could figure stuff out. I mean, yeah, I don't know. Well, So you really legitimately could make some kind of game, like, We Fit, right? Using this thing. Like, it's got enough stuff going on that you could kind of do it. Like, you know, raise your hands above your head or lower them or something. Um, yeah. So, I, I don't know. I guess I just feel like... This was a triumph of technology uh, and a total uh, lack of input uh, as far as, you know, marketing, uh, consumer psychology, um, creativity, uh, you know, as, as far as the actual product goes. Like, there was no way to use yeah. it <laughs> because, you know, our the, the iPad succeeds because there were, you know, apps that decided to figure out how to use the iPad really well. And, you know, the, the watch will probably do the same. And um, what was the other thing you hated earlier? <laughs>
2: Oh, was it the Virtual Boy? Is no, that what th- you're talking I about? I
1: think you were pretty okay on the Virtual Boy. You were like, whatever.
2: Oh, iPads, and oh, I was really mad about olive oil recently. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, olive
1: oil suffers from different issues, I think. Although, I mean, we could make the same case that, like, okay, the technology's great, the application not so great. You know, maybe you could uh, you would appreciate olive oil more if uh, it had been positioned as, like, the best frying oil. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, you got to have oil to fry stuff, right? So, like, we should use olive oil. Um, maybe you would like it better there and so i mean i think it's no, the same
2: i love to use olive oil as, as uh, like for t- to make caramelized onions or whatever i just don't like to use it to um drizzle on stuff because that's that's pointless
1: Exactly. And and so the lesson we learn here is that it is the application that matters. And, and as far as, like, what becomes popular and cultural. And that feeds back into what technologies live and what technologies die, right? So, like, the technology can be great or whatever, but, like, unless it's put to some good practical use in our culture that takes it up or perhaps non-practical use in our culture takes it up, um, mm-hmm. you know, the technologies fade. And I think, I think that's why... So many technical people who admire technology but uh, try not to get involved in the culture uh, or, you know, specifically separate themselves as as so many, uh, you know, people who would like to take a part of Power Glove do, you know, say, like, well, I don't really want to hang out with people. Um, I think that's why, uh, you know, we appreciate different things. Um, we say, wow, I don't that technology think that You is something.
2: have to separate oh. yourself from people to enjoy technology or to appreciate technology, though.
1: Yeah, I was just kind of on a run. No, it's a good example. A
2: exception. little
1: bit. Yeah. I'm glad you brought um, it
2: up. Yeah. No, it's just, I think it's a, a common, like, I know I make that mistake all the time, too, of like, oh, if you like things, you don't like people, you can only like one.
1: <laughs> You've got about one Valentine's Day card left, and you're just like a, a mailbox for things and a mailbox for people. And you're like, eh, people. <laughs> uh, I have to choose.
2: <laughs> yeah, that's that's not how life works. Um. Uh, but... No, I absolutely get your point that, like, people who are passionate about technology and, like, the way things work and science making new things that we didn't think possible, possible, um, being really excited about something like the Power Glove, even if it was a total failure of a product.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I don't know. So I guess I feel pretty... I guess I have developed nostalgia for the Power Maybe not nostalgia. It's not the wrong word. But I, I have a place in my heart for this Power Glove now. I feel like it mm-hmm. had a, real, a lot to say and was perhaps uh, taken before its time. But, uh, yeah. you know, so it goes.
2: Yeah. Uh. Yep. Yeah, real admiration over here
1: All for right. the
2: Power Glove well, and the, the people who designed it.
1: I am going to uh, write my Valentine's, uh, <laughs> Valentine's Day card out to the Power Glove. And uh, maybe if I have time to the people who designed it. And, uh,
2: I'm going to write mine out to you. Oh, uh, gross.
1: i got to get my cootie huh? shot now. <laughs> All right. Well, that uh, that grossness marks the end of this here podcast. And uh, we'll be back uh, pretty soon. What do you think? Pretty soon, right?
2: Oh, well, we'll see. Okay.
1: Well, until okay. then, that's Kevin Cogart over there.
2: It does right on over here. Bye. <laughs> Bye-bye.